When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, March 6th, the to leash or not to leash edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is just about 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, the host of the Slate podcast, What Next TBD, and I am mom to Sam, who is two and a half, and we live in Brooklyn. Today on the show, we've got a very interesting question. When, if ever, are toddler leashes okay? Then we've got a very interesting but heavy conversation about a resonant piece in The Guardian. The article is all about how parenting has changed the way the author, and honestly, some of us, think about tragedy. Then we'll end on a positive note with a round of recommendations. So don't go anywhere. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back and ready to hear our question. Hi, mom and dad are fighting. I love the show and I've been listening ever since before I had my kid. My question is, are toddler leashes bad? Before I became a parent, I'm sure I thought I would never. And I feel like they generally seem frowned upon. 
But what do you do when you have a toddler who hates the stroller and absolutely refuses to hold hands? I patiently explain why and offer alternatives like holding onto my jacket, etc. But trying to force hand-holding instantly triggers a full-on meltdown, which just doesn't feel worth it. Right now, I can pick her up if needed, like when crossing the street, but in a couple of months, that won't be an option. I'm pregnant with our second kid, and since this is a high-risk pregnancy, I won't be able to lift her after the first trimester. So I need to get some advice on how to get my daughter to hold hands, whether it involves a toddler hardness or something else. I typically aspire to practice respectful slash positive parenting, but this is truly a safety issue, both for my daughter and myself. Recently, I've been Googling cute toddler leashes in hopes of finding something that won't make me feel like a bad parent or get weird looks from strangers. Help. To leash or not to leash? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I want to say I am anti-leash with the caveat that I think a lot of parents don't know what else to do. And I that is why the leash was invented. And I completely get that. And I'm not sure that there's anything out there that says you're, you're actually doing any kind of harm by leashing your toddler. But for me, and I had uh, one of the kids was a bolter. Um, and so I definitely feel like I considered it with all the travel, like what options do I have to kind of keep this kid here? But fundamentally, I felt like the leash was not going to teach them to hold hands or to be better. It was going to be a stopgap for managing the situation, but I was still eventually going to have to teach them. It is a lot of work to teach a toddler, particularly one that wants to bolt or, you know, run away or be away from you or exert that power, that it's important that we are, we always called it like, you're not voice trained yet. <laughs> you know, like, I need to know that when I, when I yell stop, that you will stop. And once we can do that, your leash gets a lot longer, like in terms of that you don't necessarily have to hold my hand, because I know you're going to wait at every street, or I know you're going to do um, these certain steps that keep us safe. So for me, it's like, if you have this high-risk pregnancy and you do not know what else to do and all you're thinking is, I just need a leash to manage this situation, that's a fine way to handle it. But I don't know that you are fixing the problem so much as delaying the inevitable in terms of teaching them like, hey, we have to hold hands or you're just going to have to ride in the stroller. So I was thinking about this because this it feels very resonant with my life. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. We live in Brooklyn. We live right by Flatbush Avenue, like very big street, um, and we have to cross it a lot. It's in between us and preschool. We have to cross it to get to the public library, to get to the park, like all the places we go all the time. And so we have done a lot, a lot, a lot of practicing. Liz, like what you're talking about, the practicing walking together, practicing stopping. Um, Sam will bolt, and it has scared the shit out of me. The two things that I think have actually helped us are games, like uh, doing a sort of almost a red light, green light, right? Like getting him really involved in working on letting his body go and letting his body stop. And like, how quickly can you stop your body? What does your body mm. do when I say stop? Um, he gets in, excited by that. The other thing is holding something together like he loves to hold the rainbow rope when the preschoolers all go out for a walk <laughs> when they look like a tiny little chain gang and My so favorite. something 
that might be an in-between. Like, is it a, a belt, a tie, a bathrobe loop, like something that they can hold together? And then explaining, like, we're doing this because we are practicing keeping you safe. Those are cars. That's not safe. The sidewalk is safe. This is why we stay here. Where do you see that's safe? Like, it's, you know, it's like slow, tedious practice. But I think you're right in that the leash might solve the immediate problem, but it doesn't actually build the long-term solution. So I have to uh, admit that, and it's probably been a while since we've talked about this on here, I am (laughs) pro-leash. I was a leash parent. We were also living in Brooklyn at the time. And there was a very funny picture of Naima when she has to be maybe three. And we're at the Brooklyn Museum. And there was this exhibit or this installation, rather, where there were all these skateboards covered with prayer cloths. And they were on the floor, like 50 skateboards, you know, and like... They don't have a barrier in between the public and the skateboards. They just have lines drawn on the floor that you're not to cross, right? Mm -hmm. And so Naima keeps, like, stepping her foot over the line. You know, I'm like, no, Naima, like, we can't. And, like, I had to literally, like, rein her in, like, of Oh, she was on the leash during this? She was on the (laughs) leash. She was on the leash. And so, like, there's this, like, this girl just snapped the funniest picture of, like, Naima's, like, on the floor being gently pulled back away from the chaos that she was about to unleash upon this museum. And I'm just sitting there looking like, I don't know. And I saw the girl snap the picture and she was like, I'm so sorry. It was so funny. I was like, it's fine. Can you send it to me? Um, oh, that was so that's very cool good of you because I might have lost it at that. I can't tell. Either would have been like, that's really funny or like, bugger off, lady. It was so much. I think the girl was really young. So it's part of the reason I didn't get to annoy. Like, I feel like if it had been like a 40 or 50 year old, I might have been like, you're supposed to be on my side yeah. here. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. um, it was like a young girl. But um, I found, you know, there were times where Naima would run. She was usually a pretty good hand holder, but I felt in crowds, you know, like with all the street crossing that we had to do because we were pedestrians and taking the train up Mm -hmm. and down the stairs. I liked the security that I got from leashing. I didn't do it often, you know, like there were not a lot of leash occasions, but there were a few and they were noteworthy. And when I think of that, I'm so grateful that I had that leash on that day. I just think it depends on the circumstances. And I realize that it's not a forever solution and that you're not well, teaching. Right. She's, not, she's not still leashed. She's not right. still leashed. She's free now. It clearly turned out um, okay. She turned out fine. You know, and I think that like it depends. Like I think the leashes are fine if you need them, you know, and if you can find something else that works better then do that. But I think under these circumstances, first of all, stop picking her big ass up now. Don't wait until the second trimester. <laughs> Just stop now, you yeah. know, like it, it's it's not worth the risk. You know, if this is a high risk pregnancy. Be gentle with yourself. And I think one of the ways that you can be gentle with yourself, mm. we had the very cute backpack. It looks like an animal backpack. It was adorable. You know, it came with a teddy bear. Find a cute little leash and leash your child up with no shame. Forget anybody that looks at you crazy, you know, because you know what you've got to do to keep your child safe. Like, again, I could see if you were like, oh, you know, my child typically holds my hand and doesn't run off from me, but I just feel like I could use an extra level of security. Like, I could understand 
you know, that feeling a little questionable about it, but like you're knowing that this child is a flight risk and that you and that do not you're have in a the, vulnerable position. You're in a vulnerable position. I think these are extreme circumstances. And I think that these are certainly, mm-hmm. you know, worth it. And I will say like, I had, I forgot which one of my friends was like, black people don't do this, Jamila. <laughs> We, this is not us. We don't do this. And I'm like, well, guess what? We do now. I'm starting something new. But with no shame, absolutely no shame. I never felt, you know, if anyone ever looked at us, I, short of my friends, you know, staging an intervention, I don't recall it. You know, what I recall is that my child was safe and that's what matters. Can I ask if you also worked on the handholding, those sort of things, or eventually she just picked it up? Definitely, you know, like a lot of talk about safety and, you know, it's really important that you hold my hand. I have to be able to always have eyes on you. You can't get far away from me, you know, and in time she picked it up. We didn't use it long. I feel like it helps me to train her, if Mm -hmm. you will, Mm -hmm. you know, like it helps us pick up safer habits for walking around in public. What I feel like I'm hearing you say is like, this was a tool, not a solution. And I think that's kind yeah. of what the letter writer is going for is like, can this be an acceptable tool? And given what's going on in her life, yes, absolutely. But I, yeah. I, I also am like, you also, even though it sucks, probably have to work on the other stuff too, before you have two children running away from you. Yes. To leash or not to leash, let us know what you decide. Everyone else, if you have a question for us, please send it in. Email it to us at slate.com or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. We're going to take a quick break. See you in a second. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. So we wanted to talk about a piece in The Guardian. It was called, in my work, I see tragedy daily and think someone works so hard to keep this person alive. It's a journalist giving their perspective about covering the tragic deaths of people of varying ages. And as a still someone new mother, how that makes her feel now and thinking about the fact that these people were once children, they weren't once cared for by a mother or a father and how much harder it is for her to do this sort of work now as a parent. And it really struck a chord with a number of our colleagues in the Slate Parenting Slack. There was something Janae Desmond Harris said. She's dear Prudence. She says, I kind of love every baby in the world now. And I think of every adult as a grown-up baby now that she's a parent. Mm. What did you all think? We'll start with you, Lizzie. I, I just, I feel like this this piece i don't know it like it zeroed in on a a particular feeling i have had since having sam that is so like utterly banal because so many people experienced it and is yet incredibly profound of just like i have been split open and the rawest part of my emotional being or, or in some cases even my physical being 
is like out there in the world walking around. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that in other people now. And it's so stupid in the way that you're like, well, nobody talks about this aspect of labor. And it's like, yeah, no, everybody does. You just weren't paying attention because it wasn't relevant to you. <laughs> and I remember my mother saying, well, for the rest of your life, your heart is going to be walking around outside your body. Yep. And I, it, I think about this all the time in news stories. I've thought about it a lot in the aftermath of these earthquakes. Um, the stories of children are like extremely upsetting to me. I think about it a lot in the wake of police shootings, um, you know, usually against black men in this country. Um, I just like, I can't stop thinking about their parents' pain. I just can't stop it. And it is both, I think, like a a very difficult thing to have your brain circle around. But maybe as a journalist, it's also a really good thing to have your brain constantly come back to, to like mm. never take out the fact that you are talking to someone's child, someone's parent, someone who was like deeply, deeply loved. And I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we obviously very easily get past that and, and shouldn't. My mom also used to say the thing about, you know, your heart lives outside your body when you become a parent. And it, you know, I truly understand that now. Um, When Naima was a baby, I was working as a news editor covering the death of Trayvon Martin. Mm. And that was devastating to me, you know, in ways that... um, other horrific crimes like that hadn't hit me, you know, because it was the first time I could really uh, think about it from the perspective of a mother. And as this article, I want to mention the journalist's name, it's Ankita Rao. What she mentioned, I I think the thing that most of us hadn't articulated or thought about before is that so much of the work of parenting is keeping a child alive. Mm. You know, yeah. for so long, yeah. particularly for the earliest years, it's like my whole job is just to keep you alive. You know, like maybe you didn't make it to school today. Maybe you didn't eat your peas. Maybe you didn't brush your teeth before bed, but I kept you alive. And so and on some level- you are safe I've, in this hour. You are safe in this hour. That's my job, you know? And it's a job that you want to do for life. You know, like I, I would like to forever be committed to- keeping my daughter alive or wish that somehow, you know, I had the control to do that. And the older your child gets, you know, Mm. the further away from you they get. And obviously there are tragedies that befall children. We're talking about these earthquakes, you know, um, with very small people. But when you think about something awful happening to an adult, these are still somebody's baby, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that you can do. You know, like you can't be there. You can't stop the police officer. You can't stop the airplane. Like you have lost control. And I think that's one of the hardest things about parenting is that loss of control over your child's life, you know, and the older they get, the less of it that you control. Well, there's also this thing. And you're absolutely right. That is like those are the the poles of parenting, right? Like keeping you alive versus loss of control. And like it all exists somewhere in between. But there's this thing, and I think it can be particularly strong for journalists, but it's for everyone, called psychic numbing, where we we as people, like, 
can really empathize with one tragedy, but like if it becomes 10 people, 20 people, 100 yeah. people, or in the case of the pandemic, million plus people yeah. in the U.S., um, our minds can't get there. And so we just kind of, I don't know, fuzz it out a little bit. For me personally, I felt like having a child and it you know, took me a lot of work to have this kid, which I had at 44, it maybe erased some of that psychic numbing. Like it made the distance shorter. I think that might be a good thing. Well, shout out to Ankita Rao and The Guardian for a really beautiful, really poignant piece that resonated deeply with us. We're going to put a link to the piece in the show notes. If you read it and you have any thoughts, please email us or send a voicemail at 646-357-9318. We'd love to continue this conversation. And we're going to end today with sharing something that we're all loving. Lizzie, do you want to go first? What are you recommending? I am recommending, I don't know if you all are familiar with this. You can tell like all of my things are about very young children. Uh, The magazine Baby Bug, which... I don't know if you guys had, but it's a magazine for babies and toddlers, and I just love it. Um, our our most recent uh, issue came yesterday, and Sam thinks it's like the greatest thing in the world because a piece of mail comes for him. He loves to check the mailbox. You know, we have like a mail room, and, he, and he's like, my magazine book is here. Aww. And it's just, it comes nine times a year. It's $34. It's not too expensive. It's like, it's really inclusive. It's really charming. And they have like some predictable recurring characters and some new ones. And I love them. Like, I just absolutely love them. And they have, you know, ones for kids as they get older. But it's like truly one of my favorite things in the world is Baby Bug. This is the one that has like a little, I want to call it like a hand rhyme, right? Doesn't it like yeah. something you do with your hands? Because we still do. There was one about winter and it was about putting on your mittens. And I just remember it went like thumb in the thumb place, fingers all together. This is the way we do it in winter weather. And we still say that <laughs> when we put on our, our gloves. I just like remember the page and um, it has all kinds of cute stuff like that. Yeah. There's one, and now I'm like, I stretch my hands high, I stretch my hands wide. Now I can't remember the rest. <laughs> We're learning. So clearly, maybe you might want to get it just for yourself. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't have to have if you're in your 40s and your brain is starting to go. Exactly. Elizabeth, what are you recommending? Okay, so last night, Jeff had this idea. We got into the hotel after this crazy travel day, and um, the kids are always kind of wild. So we had the idea to have chat GPT do the kids' bedtime stories and have them each write one. It was so much fun. He opened up his computer, and he just told this little AI bot that is maybe going to ruin our lives. I don't know what each kid wanted to hear um, for their bedtime story and how many exact words they wanted it to be. Um, and we got some really cute, fun stories, and they were all listening to each other. And I feel like we we learned something about each of them because of what they wanted their story to be about. Um, so it's a fun thing to try. It definitely all three of them like quieted down to listen, and then um, the ten year old chose some huge amount of words. And so you know, twenty minutes into the story, two of them were out. It was awesome, uh, but it was really fun, a fun thing to do. Uh, just go to chat GPT and type in <laughs> what you want and watch it write you a bedtime story. And it didn't write you anything insane or offensive? Nope. Nope. Amazing. Nope. Nope. 
I mean, we were like right about, you know, a story for a this, you know, right. six year old about a dog who meets a ladybug. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that you could you could get it to uh, the I guess the fun thing is it it and this is where it gets into trouble is that it learns from other things you're asking it. Mm -hmm. So as like when the 10 year old got to do his story, it was incorporating elements from the previous two stories because it's, you know, learning what you've, you've already had it talk about. Very cool. All right. Well, I'm recommending a documentary that's on Netflix. Uh, It's been there. I think it came out late last year, but I just got around to watching it. It's really great. It's called Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. And it's a beautiful retrospective on Toni Morrison's life and work. It was made in 2019, but released last year. Uh, 2019 is when Toni Morrison passed away, but she's in the documentary. She's the lead voice and it's just really a gift to hear her reflect on her you know unique life and her Mm. work and just what an important you know american author she is um what a powerful voice and as somebody who grew up in an era where there were lots of black women writers and there's still you know a long way to go before the book publishing world is truly diversified, you know, and equitable, but I still could say I grew up, you know, knowing that Black women wrote books. Mm -hmm. Um, She's from a time before that, and her voice and her work have just been so essential to creating space for other Black women authors. So it's just a really, really good, uh, good watch. And with that, this episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. And for Elizabeth Newcamp and Lizzie O'Leary, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.